Greetings, family. Welcome to the All Men Are Not Created Equal podcast. Today we have a very special episode. It's entitled Breaking the School to Prison Pipeline. We have with us a premier educator who has been working in the New York City area for quite some time. In fact, he has been an educator for the last 27 years, and he's currently the principal at the Bronx, the Boys Prep Bronx uh, uh, School. And uh, I have to give you full disclosure. He's my Morehouse brother uh, from Morehouse College back in the early 90s. And he's also my brother in the Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. His name is Dr. Khalik Kirkland. And as I mentioned, the episode is entitled Breaking the School to Prison Pipeline. And for those who may question the validity of this institution, uh, when we look at the student population in the United States, black students only make one make up one out of six students. However, out of the students who are arrested in the United States, black students are arrested one out of three times is a black student being arrested. When we look at even preschoolers, although black students only make up 18% of all preschoolers in the United States, 48% of those who are suspended or expelled are black and Latino. So this prison pipeline is a serious one. And it's not one that's just uh, uh, you know um, a hypothetical situation. We're talking about real lives here. We're talking about looking at the state prisons in New York, 70 to 75% of those who are incarcerated right now are high school, I wouldn't say dropouts, but have not finished high school because they still have a, an opportunity to finish high school. So the correlation between the jail system, the prison system and education is one that is quite real. And I'm so happy we have with us Dr. Khalid Kirkland, who will take us into some of the methods he's used, some of the best practices, and, and overall using his 27 years in education to break the prison, the school to prison pipeline. I'd like to bring forth our doctor, Dr. Khalid Kirkland. How's it going, Dr. Kirkland? Jock, um, you know me, I'm blessed. And I really thank you very much for allowing me to join your show. Um, Let's get this party started. Let's 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 talk about it because I understand your school, the the boys prep. We just can't say boys prep. We have to say the boys prep. No it question. Is located, however, in one of the poorest districts in all of the United States. From my understanding, the poverty level in the Bronx, where your school is located, is at one of the highest levels. Is is that the case? That's correct. So um, the boys prep is located on the corner of 151st and Grand Concourse. So that is only one and a half blocks away from the 149th Street train station and maybe seven blocks from Yankee Stadium. 10451 is <laughs> one of, if not the uh, most poverty stricken zip codes in all of America. Uh, wow. but the last count, we had approximately 35% of the uh, population was at Okay, um, uh, Dr. Dr. Kirkland, when we talk about poverty, when we talk about education, what impact would you say poverty has on education? Um, a few things. Number one, uh, recruiting of highly qualified teachers. These teachers have to get to the school, uh, and a lot of them um, are going to be fearful of getting off the train on 149th Street, that's number one. Number two, um, you're talking about a lack of resources with tax dollars, um, which, which has a lot to do with the resources and supplies that you're able to provide um, the particular students. Because families, unfortunately, are not able to supplement their child's education like they would be able to do in the suburban areas. Um, but then number three, you're talking about um, the 24-hour resources. So it's not just the children coming to school with a good place to learn, but have those children eaten before they came? Um, did they have a good dinner the night before? Did they go to bed at a decent hour? 
Was their parent able to help them with homework uh, after their second or third job? These are all things that we have to consider uh, when you're talking about a, a school in a high poverty area. But but some may say, I'm going to give you some pushback on this. Some Please. may say, well, Dr. Kirkland, you just outlined the impact of poverty on education. However, the school where you are uh, uh, the head of, and I think 700 um, Black and Latino young men, they're actually being recognized for doing uh, outstanding work by the state of New York um, based on ELA and, um, and, and math scores. Can you draw, I guess, an explanation, give us an explanation for that? Well, let's be very clear with the numbers. We have actually 761 uh, Black and Hispanic males in our school grades, kindergarten through grade seven now. Um, around two years ago, we just got our charter renewed for another five years, which is uh, something we're very proud of because the average charter school is only renewed uh, one and max three years. So we feel good a bit. We were uh, given a five-year uh, recognition. Uh, and then the state, yes, like you're correct, New York State Education Department recognized our school as a, as a recognition school uh, based on our ELA and math scores. And uh, my wife likes to say, do not do not speak in education uh, acronyms. So that's English language arts exam, the state exam that's given to scholars once they reach third grade through eighth grade. So what it, what it said is, is that our school and literally all of the schools in our charter network receive this recognition status. So listen, like my aunt used to say, my aunt was born and raised in Gates Avenue projects. And what she said is, is that uh, although I may live in the projects, the projects do not live in me. So we mm. demand excellence of all of our scholars in spite of, and the, the, the students and the parents hear me say that a lot, in spite of the economic circumstances that our children may be from. One of the biggest compliments that I ever received from one of our families was the following. She said that the boys prep feels like she's paying um, a private school tuition uh, for free. Uh, and that's the way that we expect to treat all of our scholars and all of our families every day. And when we you just touched on parent involvement, how do you um, get parents to be enthused about this whole education process? Because uh, as you already know, my wife is in education and there are times when there are, you know, parents teacher conferences, some of the educators bring books because they don't, uh, many of them don't expect any parents, is, any parents to, to show up. So how, how do you do it at the Bronx Prep to get the parents involved? So um, here's a, a few things I've done. Uh, in my uh, years of experience, I've also had the opportunity to work at private school in rich, not just uh, suburban areas, in affluent areas. And what I've learned is, is that the way that those, the headmaster, when I was a headmaster at the time, the way that we are expected to treat parents as if they're paying fifty dollars to $70,000 tuition. So when you start treating parents as if at any point in time, you could lose $70,000 if that child stops coming to school, that's how you have to treat every parent at our school. As if they, every day, they're giving us their most prized possession. So whether or not that means us uh, at, at the Boys Prep, at the entire uh, public prep uh, network, we also do home visits. We, we actually start at the beginning of the year um, setting forth a, a parent-school partnership where we're saying, oh no, we love your child. We, we want you to trust us, your most prized possession, and we will do anything and everything to make sure that your child is academically successful. When you start from that uh, premise, the rest is um, is uh, is up for grabs. So yes, we're treating every parent as if they're they're literally going to a private uh, boarding school. Well, um, uh, Dr. Kirkland, how about the situations where you have um, students who are uh, how can I say it, but recipients of the school to prison pipeline, meaning they're probably four generations in where their father's been incarcerated, their grandfather's been incarcerated. And at this point, due to the mass incarceration um, uh, you know, statistics, their great-grandfather have been through the penal system. How do you handle a child who's experienced that kind of trauma? Uh, a, uh, prayer. So I am a prayer warrior. And I ask um, every day for um, my Lord and Savior to be able to guide my steps in speaking with them uh, on a regular basis. That, that's, that's okay. Number two, 
uh, I speak their language. I speak their language. So I understand we all have somebody who's very close to us that has uh, been unfortunate, caught up in the criminal justice system. When they understand that I understand what it is that they're going through, not having a father in the home, I recognize and I take it very seriously that many of our scholars, fortunate or unfortunate, see me as that father figure. So every day I take that very seriously. How I dress, how I talk, how I look, how I act is a model that I'm expecting for to show them, oh no, that it can be. And that you are no different and Dr. Kirkland is no smarter than you are. And whatever I have achieved, you can achieve. And then to, to let the parents know, I'm here, number one, first of all, I'm gonna love and give your son any and everything that I would give to my own son or my own daughter. Everybody at my school knows the names KJ and Kennedy. Those are my two kids. Whatever, anything and everything that I would give to KJ and Kennedy or expect from their school, that's what I'm gonna give at the boys prep. Well, uh, you also touched on, uh, I guess, somewhat the separation between church and state which for many of us, and even as an attorney, sometimes uh, I look at that particular um, dynamic and, and it, it appears hypocritical sometimes, right? You go into the courthouse, you see on the, above every judge, in God we trust. You open up a dollar bill, you see, in God we trust. However, you go to the schools, they say, no, no, we don't want God. God, we need you to stay outside the doors while we teach them what you've created, <laughs> mathematics, science, history, everything else. How, uh, how do a student who may have an inclination towards learning more about God and, and, and infusing their life with the spirit, how do they get edified in, in a school setting, if, that, if that's possible? Yeah, well, of, co of course it's possible. Um, when you and I were born and raised, um, we lived in a world where we were forced to go to church almost every Sunday, right? And that was just a regular right. basis. You were going to some type of church and you knew that somebody was praying for you, right? Um, and in, in this day and age, I really know very few uh, principals nowadays who are not in some way, shape or form spiritual. That's the only way that we're going to get through this. There are far too many dynamics that are going against us that we should not invoke prayer on a regular basis. So um, I literally, every Wednesday, I am a proud deacon at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Brooklyn with the uh, my pastor, Reverend uh, Lawrence E. Aker III, right? Uh, and right. Every, every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. before I get my day started, we have a men's prayer circle. I make no bones about it that I keep my boys, my uh, family and my uh, my uh, boys prep family, as well as all of our teachers and their uh, students um, in prayer on a regular basis. And again, I think that some of our parents are truly able to appreciate that, uh, regardless of their uh, whatever denomination that they may be a part of. Well, and thanks for that answer. Uh, another question I have, when we talk about our young people, the peer influence is tremendous. We were all young at one point, you know, uh, and we know how influential sometimes our uh, peer group was. And how does a, a child who lives in the zip code that we just talked about is able to go to school for six, seven hours, maybe eight hours? Because I know your, your school days are a little bit longer than the average um, uh, public schools, but then have to traverse the Grand Concourse or some highway and and we know what it's like to, to be in our neighborhoods at times when uh, school is let out. They said uh, most of the crime that's committed, most of the crime that's committed by young people is usually between the hours of three and six, like right after dismissal and right before they're supposed to be home for, for, for dinner. How, how do you help young people avoid the whole peer pressure maze? Well, it goes back to our core values that we have at The Voice Prep, um, brotherhood, uh, responsibility, merit, and scholarship. Uh, and these are not just catchphrases at our school. So that goes back to our um, one of the core values of responsibility. So we teach kids that responsibility means doing the right thing even when no one is looking, even mm -hmm. when no one is looking. So we have to uh, not only have that both in the school as well as outside the school. 
And we, we try to force um, an understanding that um, when you are, when you do something uh, out of, when you do something in school, you're representing your family. I mean, you do something out of school, you're representing the boys prep. So we try to make it look like as if, no, that, that emblem on your chest that says the boys prep uh, means something out in these streets and positively and negatively. So when you do something negative, you know, somebody's going to call me up and say, I can't believe that your child did this on the train. But when you do something positive, they're going to call me up. They're going to look at the number and say, you know what? I'm really interested in potentially sending my son there because of this other young um, man or this other parent who had nothing but positive things to say. So again, stressing on them to, to be able to say, doing the right thing, even when no one is looking, because again, it's not only even, it's not even just your peers, it's social media. It's television, it's marketing, this, this, this enhancing, this enticing them to sometimes do the negative thing. Um, but that's when it takes the, 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 the entire community, not only the teachers, the parents, the grandparents, and what we keep coming back to sometimes is even the clergy. Okay. And, and when we talk about the immediate community, your school is in, again, because I, I want to really stress the fact that your school is in what they call the boogie down Bronx. Boogie we're, not down. About, we're not talking about Riverdale. No, 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 no. We're talking about the boogie down. And uh, what impact, if any, do the local bodegas or, or merchants have on your school um, when, the, when the children are let out to go, to go home or dismissed? Jock, you would not believe this if I told you this. But technically, we are behind, located behind the Grand Concourse. Oh, wow. Directly in front of our school is a huge McDonald's. Mm. So imagine trying to tell your scholars every day that we're eating healthy. No parents, we're not bringing in the bacon, we're not bringing in the bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll from the bodega. And we're definitely not bringing in the, uh, the, the Big Mac uh, with large fries and a frosty. No, that's not, that, that's not eating healthy, right? Okay, good. But what I've talked to people uh, a lot, and going back to my private school days, is the local community investing in our schools. So when I'm in the private uh, industry, whatever local stores uh, that were in the community, oh, no, they donated to the private school. That's the same thing we have to get uh, de and demand, not get, but demand from our local bodegas. Our scholars are coming in there. I told you we have 780 uh, scholars, right? Correct. They buy a juice, a bag of chips, and um, uh, a Frosty, whatever, right? That's automatically $5. Correct. So half of our scholars did that every day. And then the mother or the father walked, who walked into school got them the same thing. Mm. We, we have to hold our local businesses accountable that they're receiving monies every day from our families and that we they, they must give back. Got it. Um, and Dr. Kirkland, uh, to continue that point, I, I know when you were the principal at the Ron, Ronald Emmett School in, in Brooklyn, you also formed private and public partnerships, which I thought was super innovative back then. Uh, you leaned on or, or leveraged what Abin Ailey School was bringing to your arts department. Have you done anything similar at, at D-Boys Prep? Oh yeah, so so uh, a few things. The good news is, is that I don't really have to do a lot of that now because we have a network that really helps support us to do just that. Um, but what I do try to do is bring in uh, influential men of color to come in and speak to our boys. So we do that every day, every year uh, at the beginning of the school year, we have what they call a male hero walk where um, we bring in, I think last year was maybe 70 to 80 men of color that actually greeted our scholars at the beginning of the school day. Uh, I think that that's um, probably even more influential than money itself, seeing men of color coming into the building on a regular day, just to come and talk to your children's class. So all of our classes are um, named after a prestigious namesake. Uh, and what we, we try to do is get these namesakes to come in and being able to talk to our boys and adopt their classrooms. Uh, but the most important thing, I, like I said, is, is speaking to them. Uh, now, of course, we have things like the scouts in our school. Uh, we're a part of uh, athletic leagues. Uh, of course, we do do things like donors choose 
where we're asking for different things like example. Right now, because of uh, COVID and blended learning, which maybe we'll get into a little bit later, students are going to have to bring in laptops back and forth. Well, has anybody talked about the sleeves that the laptops are going to have to go into? So we would love to be able to have support like that. And a lot of times what we rely on is things like donors choose to be able to do that. Okay. And um, again, getting back to some of our young men, and I know growing up, one of the, as I reflect now, the biggest tragedy or tragedies that I've seen was where you would have a student who was exceptionally bright. I mean, everyone in the class knew this is the smartest dude in the class, but he had the the uh, most challenging behavioral issues, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, oftentimes educators tend to put that child in the corner of the classroom. He doesn't get the kind of service he needs. And that same child that was the brightest in the classroom in grade seven is now the stick up kid in grade 11. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that the attention wasn't provided. What do you do when you recognize a child that has the genius, but may be a bit challenging when it comes to the behavioral piece? And uh, especially with our young men, uh, we often get labeled, you know, as ADHD and everything else. You know, he's a behavioral problem. There's nothing we could do. And the next thing you know, he's locked up. And, and But yet all that brilliance has never uh, manifested. What have you done? What approaches have you taken when those situations arise? A uh, few things. Number one, it starts off with a hug. It's as simple as that. It starts off with a hug. To be able to grab them, hug them tight. Yo, I love you, my brother. What are you doing? Then what I do is I show them always in my office, I have a picture of my own son, right? His football uniform, right? Um, to be able to show them, you're no different than KJ Kirkland, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do anything and everything I can to treat you just like I would to him. So I'm, gonna give, I'm about to give you some tough love. I'm also a mathematician by nature, right? So long time math teacher, I love numbers, whatever. I have absolutely no problem showing them the data. Showing them, these are your scores. These are your scores, right? And these are the scholars, the other scholars in your class. Look at how you're outperforming them on a regular basis. But what happens is when you stop the teacher from learning because of your outburst, you're stopping other kids from learning. And instead, what you should be doing is, is helping Malcolm, helping Jamal, or helping Jose in the class, rather than stopping them from learning. Another thing I also tell teachers is the following. There are two reasons why students, on average, have behavior concerns. Number one, they're bored. And we need to be able to give them additional work for them to complete. Because they're done. You gave them 10 minutes to do two problems, but they were done that in the first two minutes, right? So now they find something else to do. They start fiddling with other things, okay? So you have to give them additional work for them to complete, okay? The second reason for uh, our behavior concerns is that they truly don't understand the work. So rather than them being acknowledged for not understanding, they would almost subconsciously prefer, they don't mind you choosing them out for behavior. Because mm -hmm. if, I, if I become a behavior, and listen, some of our children are super bright. They understand, mm, if I'm a behavior issue, if I'm a behavior concern, you won't call on me to read out loud. You almost want me to be quiet. So you know mm -hmm. what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna keep acting up, whatever. And we have to be able to recognize that very early on. Wow. I know why you're acting up, because you don't understand what's going on. So, so they, they they preempt the teacher in a sense. <laughs> and let me, let me act up before I get called on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're, 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 listen, they're on genius level. They're on genius level in that regard. But listen, once you show a student, and again, it goes back to when we do the home visits on recognizing um, what uh, our children love. So that's the biggest thing. You got to start off with, what, you know, what do you love? What do you enjoy doing? When a teacher is able to get that, oh, you into Marvel? Oh my God, you bring them in a, a Marvel comic book? You got them for, for, for keeps. Wow. They do something positive and you call their mother or grandmother to tell them, oh, you wouldn't believe what uh, Jamal did in class today? Got them. 
Got him. You got him for the rest of the semester just because of that one phone call. That one phone call. And, That's it. Um, so this also brings a question. What are we doing with teacher development? Because the strategies you just mentioned, Dr. Kirkland, I think if it was implemented across the board, we'll have a whole lot more of our geniuses going on to higher education as opposed to being funneled into the prison industrial complex. And I say that from personal experience. My first job out of law school, I worked with the Department of Correction and the law library where I was able to interact with some of the most brilliant, best minds who were now confined by an eight by 10 cell. And I, I said to myself, where did all this go wrong? This young man is not supposed to be in here with a razor blade in his mouth, ready to slash somebody. He's supposed to be with some sort of surgical tool in his hand, ready to perform a, a, a life-saving surgery. So uh, when it comes to teacher development or, or professional development, um, what do you do that you think may be different than some of our other um, educators? One thing I'm really proud about, Jock, is that our uh, network uh, prior to the, uh, the unrest in our streets uh, really did a good job on uh, focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, uh, and what does that mean? That means the teacher has to fully understand the culture in which the child came from in order to understand them as a learner. So we've been doing that before George Floyd, right? Before there was a problem, right? Mm. Also going into their homes and realizing from whence they come. So when a child tells you I was unable to do my homework, you don't just give them an F. You ask them, you, you know that his mother works two and a half jobs. You know that the father is not in the home. You know, you ask him, why did this, uh, why is this child sleeping? Because they didn't have a good night's sleep. They didn't have any, that breakfast when they came in late and you want to, you want to say, oh no, breakfast is over. No, 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 no. Breakfast is not <laughs> over. I have to Correct. make sure that this child gets a good meal because this is their meal that they're going to be eating. So again, when you when you train, we we try to train teachers on a regular basis. Our we we wink wink. I, I you know I, I love my network, but we go a little overboard in that regard when it comes to um, uh, professional development for our teachers. Our uh, teachers came back two to three weeks before the school year started. In comparison, the DOE they come back two days before the kids come back. So we're we're, we're doing and and it doesn't stop once the school year starts. So typically on Mondays, we're doing a grade level professional development. Uh, on Tuesdays, we're doing content PD, where we're literally unpacking and doing intellectual prep together. So when, what does that look like? We're telling, we're telling, we're, we're looking at it from the viewpoint of a child when we're opening up this, uh, this book or this poem. What would a child need first in order to even be able to get in this book? Uh, or this poem, what is a child going, what are some of the first misconceptions that a child might have? So you got to truly understand this and you can't open it up the same time that the kids open it up. No, we're not winging it. Uh, mm. here. Yeah. So I, 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 and what are some of the, I, I guess, checks and balances that you implement? Because you said we're not winging it. So what does that mean? You, you're going through and looking at their lesson plans and how often? <laughs> at a minimum, at a minimum. Listen, I'm looking on the screen and I see some of my teachers are on this thing now. Oh, they know. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you. We're doing intellectual prep together. We're a week or maybe two weeks before. We're looking at everything that we're going to do with the scholars and being able to unpack it with multiple teachers. So that's another good thing about having a full network of now six schools where we can bring forth all of the kindergarten teachers across the entire network and be able to galvanize great thinkers together. So we're doing, and we're even able to do that in this virtual space. Matter of fact, some might say it's easier to bring the teachers together in the virtual space. But we're doing that what we call IP or intellectual prep and being able to ask ourselves, what is the student going to need to know and what kind of misconceptions are they going to have from the beginning? And then you creating your lesson plan. And the, the lesson plan is just, that's a, that's a bare minimum. Uh, you, you're not coming into the day without having a, a, an amazing lesson plan. And then we're going to be observing teachers on a regular basis where it's not a, uh, a pomp and circumstance when Dr. Kirkland walks into the classroom. Oh, no, no, no. Dr. Kirkland is here all the time. 
So it's not going to stop. No, you don't got to, everybody don't got to stop. Uh, good morning, Dr. Kirkland. Nope, nope, you don't need to do that because Dr. Kirkland's always here. <laughs> Go back to teaching that amazing lesson that you're doing. But also we recognize that teachers are uh, both personal and professional before they go into the classrooms. At least we probably. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, Dr. Kirkland, and ask everyone to start a watch party, press the like button, or subscribe to our YouTube page at Brother Esquire. Subscribe to our YouTube page at Brother Esquire. Start a watch party. This type of information, that kind of information we're getting here is one that's going to help enhance our young people as they matriculate through school this uh, semester uh, while we're under COVID. And uh, Dr. Kirkland is frozen for a quick second. I think there may be some Wi-Fi issues, but uh, we're, we're going to ask Dr. Kirkland as soon as he's able to um, get back on screen. When he talked about cultural appreciation, the teachers understanding that he's uh that the child needs to have his cultural background understood what does that really mean and um as dr kirkland mentioned if uh, an educator does not fully appreciate that child who may have to take a elevator that is urine infested and then have to walk through maybe uh an area that is gang infested and still makes it into school at a reasonable time, as as a teacher, how do you handle that? And unless you have some sort of um, uh, uh, connection, or or ha has been, uh, you know, you've been somewhat um, within that realm, it's really hard to appreciate it. Because to be quite frank with you, when a student is able to sleep in a bed with three of his brothers. And, and, and fend for breakfast, and then again, um, find his way to the school steps. And maybe a couple of minutes late, he actually has won for the day. He he's actually um, uh, he's a champion. He he he's he's literally a champion. So uh, we we have to find a way to have our teachers culturally sensitive. And I see one of my other educators. On, on, uh, on the line as well, uh, uh, Principal Sinesis, she said, cultural relevance and addressing inequities. Uh, Dr. Kirkland, while you, you were frozen for a little bit, I, I talked about what you had mentioned, the whole cultural appreciation piece. And I think that is major, major, because oftentimes we have educators, and I'm going to be quite frank, they come from certain parts of Long Island, maybe certain parts of upstate, and then they come into what they consider a war zone and they're shell-shocked by the environment. They're shell-shocked sometimes by the uh, manifestation of behavior that they see our young people and automatically they freeze and our children don't get the kind of service they need. So um, how can, how do you approach that? Having And it's okay not to be from the background that some of these children are from, right? But if you're going to teach them, you should have at least some rudimentary knowledge of what this child has been through and, and to even get to the doorstep and, and understand that that might be a victory for that child just to make it to the doorstep, having to go through the buildings, having to go through, you know, some of the crime, maybe some of the drugs that he or she may face. So how, how do you get a teacher that, you know, ha hasn't been in that environment ever until her first person professional um, reality at your school? Um, we've been blessed in that regard um, by having a low turnover at our school. That's where it comes from. It starts off with low turnover uh, because you don't want to have to keep every year replacing all of your teachers. That's number one. Number two, we got to make sure that uh, I am really big on references from within. So teachers who are going to recommend other people who know, who can tell them, this is what we're dealing with at the voice prep. Okay. Then number three, I let them see it in action. 
Oh no, I want to have you do a, a walkthrough. And of course, this is pre-COVID, but I want to have you do a walkthrough of what it is that you're gonna be um teaching in the building. Okay. And then in the, the interview process, I like to always say, now let me talk you out of the job, right? Mm. Because we always bring our best selves to the interview, <laughs> right? Correct. So I'm going to tell you things that you might not want to know, but you're never going to say, I didn't tell you. So I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. What happens when that kid uses excessive profanity in the class? What happens when that parent tells you the hell off because of something that you might have said, did, or didn't do uh, to the to the child in the class. So I'm going to give you all, I'm going to make you, listen, and if after that you tell me this is not for me, great. But once you tell me that after all of that, you're still willing to be on board, I'm going to do my best to give you any and all the resources that you need to be successful, but there's no going back from there. Wow. Um, I, I see uh, Wayne. Cochran, one of my football coaches at the Rosa Jets Football Association and also Mega Sapphire Fraternity brother, he said, amen. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's a, 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 a black male our age, and we're still super young, right, Dr. Uh, Kirkland? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> who can remember a teacher who made us feel special and a teacher who didn't make us feel special and the impact that those both experiences have had on us. And um, and uh, when we look at our development as men, we know that our educators play a huge part in how we see life and how we manage relationships and, and how we handle uh, uh, conflict. Um, do you have any top 10 uh, uh, strategies to help break the school to prison pipeline? that we can outline and at some point I'll put it in our chat or in our rebroadcast. Um, just 10 bullet points that you, you may have to assist with breaking a school to prison pipeline. No question. Um, let me give you two things. Din -in -it, din -in -it. You know how they have <laughs> their top 10 countdown? I got yeah. that. Um, but yeah. also being culturally relevant, Biggie Smalls had our top 10. <laughs> giving away our age when it comes to that. But I would say, Jock, listen, um, number 10, and let's just try to go through these uh, quickly and stop me when you want to uh, delve into one of these things a little bit more deep. Okay. Number 10, number 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 11. Let's go number 11 because I'm going to give you a bonus. <laughs> number 11, taking part in community service with your child. You have mm. to allow them to understand the world is bigger than themselves. So right now, you and I are part of this illustrious um, uh, fraternity called Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated that are community service oriented, right? Our right. amazing wives are part of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, uh, with, with who just happens to have uh, our next vice president, right? Uh, <laughs> So, so these are all organizations that you could immediately find out what they're doing in the community because once you have a scholar doing community service for others, in spite of your circumstances, they're going to better understand the, the world at large is just bigger than themselves giving back. Okay, that's number 11. Number 10, taking your child to visit people at their jobs in order to uh, for them to uh, make a beginning, a career path. Because they need to see lawyers, doctors, engineers, entrepreneurs, scientists in action in order for them to determine, is this something I want to do for the rest of my life? Okay, but they got to see it to believe it. Okay, number nine, number nine, investing time in your child's schooling as if it's your job. The simple question of how was your day is no longer acceptable at the dinner table. Instead, so parents want to say, well, what should I be asking my child? What should you be asking your child is, what are you reading now in class? What did you learn today that you didn't know yesterday? What was the biggest challenge that you faced? And that, did you address that with your, with your teacher? Okay, you got to be five steps ahead of them and knowing what it is they're doing in class on a regular basis. But if you don't invest that time, you shouldn't expect any returns. Okay, number eight, 
joining your child's PTA or in our school, we call that the community. So here is where you're going to get all of the good information before everybody knows it. And you want to be the first one on the list for all of the resources for your child. And if it allows you to have input and activities that take place at your child's school, you want to be a part of that. Okay? So that's really big. Number seven. This is going to sound funny, but it's got to be true. Your child got uh, Snapchat. Your child has uh, is on the gram, right? <laughs> you need to become online friends with your child. You need to become mm. online friends with them, right? And let me give you a little secret that none of them want to tell you. They all got dummy accounts. They all got nah. that account, right? You need, to know <laughs> both, you need to know what both of those are. Okay. <laughs> So you got to know, we talked about the influences, right? And what are they doing outside? So um, there was a, a famous uh, Jets um, uh, uh, football coach, and he said, do not hit sin. You have to teach your children about hitting sin, right? Mm -hmm. Anything that they would be ashamed of telling you, they should not be telling other people. Okay? Correct. But here goes another thing, Jock, what a lot of people don't understand. You got to become online friends with your child's best friend. Mm. Let me say that again. Not yeah. only do you have to be friends with your child online, you got to be, be best friends with their best friends. Because chances are, if your child's best friend is doing it, they're doing it too. Correct. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. In we, we ready for number five, Jock? Yeah, let's go to number five. You ready for number five? Okay. Remember, I'm a mathematician. Oh, your child. Uh, and, 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 but no, for those who, who are, are, of our viewers, yes, he is a mathematician. In fact, he was that before he earned all those degrees. And I can bear witness on the Morehouse College campus, when we went out to eat, we didn't need a calculator. We asked Khalid to divvy up the bill. <laughs> what? 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 And he did, he did all the math for us. <laughs> Here's what I tell my families all the time. Your child has to memorize their time tables. Your child has to memorize their time tables, right? Because I don't care whether or not your child is doing AP calculus, BC calculus. The last, they can have a 20-step problem. That last and final step is going to be a basic multiplication problem. Mm. And watch this. Don't let anybody tell you, oh, my child is only in kindergarten. They don't have to do that. No, no, no. Because if your child was reading in kindergarten, you'd be having that all over the ground talking about my baby can read, my baby can read, my baby can read. No, no, no. <laughs> you know their time tables? Does your baby know their time tables? And you can start off with the tens, then the fives, twos, three on up, all the way to 12. And they got to know it like they know their first and last name. That's how fast they got to know and love it. Okay. Number four, you got to foster a love of reading. You gotta foster a love, not liking reading, but loving reading by finding, and it's it's not that challenging, finding out something that, that author that they love, right? That topic that they love. My research says the following: if a child is really big into um into trains, they will be able to read something involving trains that is two, if not three grade levels above their reading level because they're interested in it. Wow, you're dropping some jewels here, Dr. Listen, I'm not playing, right? <laughs> you got to find that author or that series that they love. Once you find that, oh no, you got to get every book on the shelf. And guess what? You don't even got to pay for that. At the library, it's free. Even during COVID, you know that you can get an online library card? Did you know that? So there absolutely is no excuse. Okay. But here goes the big thing with the love of reading, Jock. They got to see you doing it. They got to see you doing it. You and I both know if your parents smoked, there's a 90% chance that you're going to smoke. If your parents don't eat pork, there's a high likelihood that you're not going to eat pork. <laughs> Correct. You are your child's first um, uh, uh, role models. If they see you always reading, they're going to want to read. They're going to just pick up anything just to be just like you. And, and I just want to take a quick break, uh, uh, Dr. Kirkland, because okay. uh, uh, Spin Move, my brother who does a lot of great um, video productions out there um, for our high school students who are looking to get a look from some of the D1 schools, 
he just co-signed what you just said. He said, facts don't make reading a punishment. Correct. <laughs> no, correct. That's the that's the absolute worst thing you could do, right? Is say, oh, go to your room. Just, just read a book. Cut that TV off and read. No, 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 no. You want to get them to love reading. Okay? And of course, I'm going to put a plug in for our uh, Black and Hispanic authors there are black and Hispanic authors. There are books that have a black antagonist in the book. So you are protagonist. You want to make sure that they have that. Okay. They have to see themselves in books. Going back to what you need to do, you got to demand that in your child's school as well. Okay. Top three. Jock, you ready for the top three? I'm ready. I'm ready. The top three. Listen on guys. Drum roll over here. Top three. Top three. Normalize college enrollment. Mm. Normalize college enrollment. What do I mean How by do you that? Do that? Yeah, you gotta visit the schools. You gotta visit the schools from CUNY schools, SUNY schools, HBCUs, all the way up to the Ivy Leagues. Mm. Taking them to college football games, taking them to basketball games. They gotta walk the campus and see people that look just like them. You know, you could walk into City College on the on the corner of 135th and Convent and walk into a class, and you don't even have to ask permission. You can do that. You can walk your child into a classroom right now at City College and just sit in the back and just say, oh, no, just I'm just here observing. You do not need an invitation to do that. So mm -hmm. I take, I've been taking my son and my daughter to Morehouse College um, uh, uh, homecoming every year since my son was four. He don't know nothing else but Morehouse. My daughter doesn't know anything else but Spelman. I told him a long time ago, I'm not paying for anything else anyway, so it don't matter. But that's <laughs> a whole other thing. Okay. Next thing, investing that same amount of money into a 529 account. You can't say that you want your child to go to college and you're not making financial plans to get your child to college. The alternative is demanding straight A's. And we both know, even if your child does have straight A's, that doesn't guarantee them a full scholarship, right? Correct. So you got to start saving. Every time you're thinking about, oh, getting your child a brand new pair of $200 Nikes, go to Robinhood and invest that $200 in Nike stock. Put that same $200 back into their 529 account. You got to do that. You got to do that. Okay. Now, well, let, let's not leave your number three, uh, uh, Dr. Kirkland. You Go mentioned ahead. normalize college enrollment. Yep. Take them to college football, basketball games. And I, I want to talk to that from a personal experience. And I know how important it is to take young people on these college experience, uh, you know, college tours and Omega Sapphire Fraternity Incorporated, the new Omicron chapter last year sponsored a college tour and literally opened the eyes of our young men who hadn't been outside of the 40 projects, haven't stepped outside the block of, you know, the Baisley houses, but going to the college tour opened their eyes up where they said, man, I didn't know on college campus, there's brothers who got the new J's on like me, who talks like me, but happens to take school very seriously. So they saw themselves in a college setting and I know that impacted them like tremendously and it's going to be a lifelong uh, impact, you know. And so I, I didn't. I want to make sure that our uh, audience know that there are tons of college tours. Oh, oh, you know, now it's COVID, so mm -hmm. some of these tours are virtual. But even we have to do it virtually if if we need to to give them that exposure. Because I know uh, my freshman year at Morehouse College, walking on that campus changed my life forever. Uh, my, my freshman class, uh, I think you were a year after me, uh, Dr. Kirkland, but I think it was the same thing. Yep. 900 black men were in my Morehouse freshman class. And I looked and said, man, there's no way I can fail. There's 900 black men that this world is not telling us about that's uh, that's going in and about to matriculate through this you know, uh, this college and end up going to, you know, further on getting their graduate degrees. And the world is not talking about this. And it was around the time of um, Boys in the Hood, Minister Society, and, and Colors, and all uh, these gang-related um, fratricidal uh, movies were coming out. Mm -hmm. But no one was talking about what was happening on some of these college campuses. So I think number three, 
might like Biggie said, might be my number one, but number three, <laughs> number yeah. three is a is a big one. It's big, it's big, Jock. Let me put in a little plug. Uh, I'm sure because I'm trying to have a um a beautiful uh, night with my wife tonight. Oh, my, oh, wife, oh. my wife is a proud member of Alpha Cap Out. So is yours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Epsilon, Epsilon Pi Omega did just that. Epsilon Pi Omega did just that. A virtual college tour. They're doing another one on September 26th. On September 26th, just look up their website, Epsilon Pi Omega, right? And what they do is they did it virtually now. So what they did was they had people, uh, the last time they did it, they had um, uh, graduates of historically black colleges come on and talk about the college experience. This time what they're doing is they're going to actually talk to scholars who are at those historically black colleges to give them a, uh, a student's perspective. That's going to be on September 26th online and it's free because like you said, there's absolutely no excuse. We got to take our kids to see the college. Because like you said, I'm in the same predicament that you're in. Oh, no, no. I knew I was going to Syracuse. I knew I was going to Syracuse. I was Syracuse versus Georgetown. I was going to Syracuse like my older cousin did. I didn't know anything about a historically black college. What? I don't want to be around all these black people, whatever, whatever. I'm tired of being around all these black folk. I went there and it changed my life. Until scholars are able to see it, they won't believe it. And there are far too many of our organizations that have the, when the COVID is up, that have these college tours that you need to make sure that your child is a part of. Interesting. My experience was a, a, a bit different. In fact, um, at, at the time, I uh, went to Hostel University on a recruit visit. I was playing football and I was thinking, you know, college football is the way that I'm going. And I went to Wagner, some real small schools, but then a good friend of mine, Mark Ellis, he's a, a very good friend of mine. He came back from uh, prospective student week at Morehouse. And he said, yo, you got to go to Morehouse. And I'm like, really? I said, what's so dope about it? He said, you see, school days is just like school days. I was like, all right, don't tell me anymore. I don't have to visit Morehouse. Exactly. <laughs> I filled out my application, got accepted. Yeah. I've never taken a yeah. trip, but I, just from Mark telling me, it's like school days. It's like a different world. It's a beautiful thing. Ended up at Morehouse, and, and, and it was the best decision educationally that I could have ever made. And so, as you mentioned, just the exposure and normalizing it, having conversations about um, higher education goes a long way. So, yeah, so we're we down to number two. I don't know. Number two and number one uh, have to be some heavyweights, no, man. Number three no, no. is... We're, we're, <laughs> we're, yeah, listen, listen. No, we're... we're, we're Dr. Hour is late. We're at number one. Okay. We're at number one. You, are, you, are your listeners uh, ready for number one, Jock? Yeah, yeah they, they're ready for number one. <laughs> if you would... Okay, good. Watch this. So let me make this plain. If your child hasn't left your neighborhood, it's time to take them to another neighborhood. If you live in Bed-Stuy and your child has never left Bed-Stuy, then you need to have them visit Crown Heights to see something special that's going on in Crown Heights. If your child has never left the borough, because Jock, you and I both know, there are some people who have never left the Bronx. If Correct. your child has never left the borough, take them to the borough. If your child has never left the city, take them to the country. They can get on uh, New Jersey Transit. They can get on the PATH train and see a whole nother. Frozen. Wow. Oh, you uh, good? Uh, back now, yeah. John? You're back. You're back. That's what, happens. That's what happens when you're trying to drop jewels. That's what happens <laughs> yeah. when you're trying to drop jewels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The devil's at work. <laughs> if, if your child has never left New York State, it's time to take them to another state. If your child's never left, never seen, never left the East Coast, take them to the West Coast. Let them see mountains. Let them see mountains. Let them see the Golden Gate Bridge, right? Let them visit Portland, Oregon, right? They need to be able to see that. But most importantly, if your child has never left the country, it's time to show them another part of the world, Jock. So mm. what I like to say, Jock, the cultures that are happening in other parts of the world, Jock, Listen. So the bottom line is, Jack, what I'm going to say is, either get your either get your child a metro card, or get them a passport. Get them a metro card, 
or a passport because the passport is going to show them the promise of what could be, the promise of what could be. And you might not have the money now to get on uh, JetBlue and travel overseas, but you can't, if you can't do anything, if you don't have that passport. So that's going to ask them to live up to the promise that you think that they are worth. Wow. Wow. And, and uh, Dr. Kirkland, you, you just laid it out um, and you eliminated every excuse I think a parent can have. Well, I don't have the money. Well, you have a Metro card. You, you could get a Metro card. And if you can't get a Metro card, you may want to take those Jordans that you have in a box, the, 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 the ones that you waited five hours for. You may want to put it back in a box, take it to Poshmark and, and at least get a fraction of the money back. And that'll buy you a Metro card and then some. And, and <laughs> And for some of the, you know, some of the excuses like, well, what is he going to get from going to another borough? Um, what is your answer to that, uh, Dr. Kirkland? Um, listen, Jock, you and I have had long conversations about this. Uh, there is a uh, there is a conspiracy out there that would love to keep us in our 10 block radius. Right. They, they say, if I'm if I'm if I'm living in Farragut houses. Right. I have a um, I have a grocery store. I got a laundromat. I even have a church all in that area where I really do not ever have to leave the Farragut 10 block radius. But that's what they want you to think. There's, they want you to think that something is negative going on over there in Queensbridge. No, they're living, they're looking just like you and doing amazing things in Queensbridge. So it's no reason to hate yourself because you, you are hating yourself when I hate somebody just because they're from another borough than I'm from. And that's going to be the same thing. There are people that look just like you and I over in Egypt, right? They would, they would love, they would love to be able to hug you because you look like them, Jock. Mm. Wow. Uh, Dr. Kirkland, you, you just gave us uh, so many solutions, brother, and, and, and um, ways to bust and break and eradicate the school to prison pipeline. Uh, uh, just from what you're asking us to imp implement the top 10, which, um, and I want to thank your lovely wife for doing a great job and posting the top 10 on so the parents can take a look at the, the students as, as, as well. And I want to thank your wife as well for the sacrifice that she's making as long with my wife, who's my assistant as well. She's, she's assisting. Actually, she put all this together. I couldn't have done this without her. Did 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 so, but for you, uh, colleague, today and this weekend is a special day. is your third anniversary. So I want to thank her for sacrificing the time on such a milestone to be to allow you to share the wisdom and the knowledge that you just uh, provided us here today. So I want to thank you all and congratulate you, brother, on this wonderful journey of wedded bliss, man. It's, uh, I appreciate I'm going to take your thanks and then I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to, uh, uh, put you $200 up. <laughs> Listen, um, I love and respect everything that you're doing. Jock, you are a, uh, a community rebel rouser. <laughs> Thank you're you. Not, you're not looking, you're not looking for the limelight. You're not looking for the praise, but you're doing it everything. People need to understand, John, the stuff that you're doing um, in the Rosedale uh, community is absolutely phenomenal with our young men who need just what you're giving them with the Rosedale Jets, Jock. I'm in awe of the, I don't even know how you find the time to do that, Jock, but you do. And people got to know and love and respect for what you're doing. And now with this, this podcast, I'm calling you a modern <laughs> Bill Noble. Bill Noble. Look, everybody needs to look up Bill Noble. He was able to talk about what's going on in the streets, Jock, and you're doing just that. And I appreciate you, Jock. I, I, I thank you much, Dr. Kirkland. And man, we're going to have to, we need a round two of this because I know you have so much more to share and so much more that our community need in order to fight what we call this enemy. And when you talk about this uh, prison industrial complex, it's not sleeping, it's working. So we, we got to find a way to continuously work to break this um, school to prison pipeline. And the only way it's going to happen is through dialogue, is through work. And I, I tell folks all the time, we have a network 
of, of, of brothers that can bring a wealth of information, a wealth of resources to the community. And that's what we've been doing. And if you need to reach out to us, hit me up on my IG, um, send me a quick comment on YouTube or whatever the case is. But this conversation we having right here is an outgrowth of uh, a meeting we had uh, in 1990, 1990-1991, where we met on the Morehouse College campus. And from there, we started to build. And the interesting thing about this network is we have several dozen brothers who are within our network that care about the community, that want to make a change, and that will work our tail off to make it happen for our young people. So to the listening audience, again, thank you, Dr. Kirkland. I really appreciate you, sir. And some of you who may say, Jock, what's Jock? Well, I'm Brother Esquire for this podcast, but otherwise, if you know me yes. from back in the days, I'm Brother Jacques. Um, yes. If you know me back from uh, grade school, I'm T. Jacques, which means Little Jack in Creole. And yes. if you know me yes. from the spiritual realm, Brother Jacques Muhammad. And uh, and if you know me from the legal realm, Attorney Leandre. So I want to thank you again all for tuning in to our special uh, podcast. And uh, please hit the like button. Go to YouTube, subscribe, and you'll be informed of our next uh, podcast, which will be coming very shortly on Sunday at, at 4 p.m. Thank you again, Dr. Kirkland. What no you problem. shared is invaluable, brother. Thank you much, sir. Thank you much. Happy Juve, right. everybody. Happy Juve. Happy Don't Juve. Forget Don't forget to wear your mask. Don't forget to wear your mask. <laughs> wear your mask. Wear your mask. Have a good one. All right.